This episode of Geek's Guide to the Galaxy is made possible thanks to support from listeners like you. So if you enjoy the show and want it to continue, please support us on Patreon over at patreon.com slash geeks or via PayPal over at geeksguideshow.com slash crowdfunding. And so I want to give a special thank you to Leslie Lewis, who just signed up this week to support us on Patreon, and to Matthew Mayer, who just increased his pledge amount. I also want to give a special thank you to Hans Schneider, who just made a very generous contribution to the show via PayPal. So big thanks again to everyone who's contributed. We really appreciate it. All right, so now let's get to our show. Wired.com presents The Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. And here is your host, David Barr Kirtley. Hello, and welcome to episode 498 of Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. Today on the show, we'll be discussing the movies Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Explorers, Starman, Tron, and Dark Star. And this won't involve spoilers for all of those movies. So just be aware of that. And this is a follow-up to our panels on awesome 80s science fiction movies back in episodes 490 and 494. So definitely check those out if you miss them. And I'm joined by three guests, who are all making their 24th appearance on the show. So first up, we've got Andrea Kale. She's a graduate of the Odyssey Writers Workshop, and her short fiction appears in the Writers of the Future anthology, Fantasy Magazine, and Lightspeed. She's been a television writer, producer, and script supervisor for shows such as Late Night with Conan O'Brien, The Chew, and WWE's Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown. And she's currently shopping her reality show, The Night. So, Andrea, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. Good to be back. The next up, we've got Matthew Kressel. He's the author of the novel King of Shards, and his short story, Now We Paint Worlds, was just published on Tor.com. Together with Alan Datlow, he hosts the monthly Fantastic Fiction reading series at the KGB Bar in New York. And his second novel, Queen of Static, is available now on his Patreon page over at patreon.com slash mattkressel. So Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. Good to be back. And also joining us today is Tom Grenzer. His short fiction appears in magazines such as Galaxy's Edge and in books such as New Voices in Science Fiction. He's the author of the business book Think Like Google and the short story collection Intergalactic Refrigerator Repairman Seldom Carry Cash. And his popular science book How It's Made, written for the Discovery Channel, will be out later this year. So, Tom, welcome to the show. It's great to be back. Okay, so let's start off with Andrea and have you tell us about your history with these five movies. Well, um, the two I knew very well uh, were Close Encounters and uh, Starman. And I loved both. Uh, Tron, it's funny, I thought I'd seen Tron, but then I watched it and I'm like, I don't think I've ever actually seen it. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I think that was my first viewing of it. Explorers I had heard of, uh, but I'd never seen. And Darkstar I had never even heard of, and now I know why. (laughs) So... There you go. That's my history of these movies. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that because my goal with after the, the whole Howard the Duck debacle last time, <laughs> yeah. I, was, yeah. I was hoping to have no, uh, no movies that, that we hated this time around, but it sounds like maybe, <laughs> maybe that didn't quite work out as planned. Well, well, I don't know that I – well, maybe I do say hate. Uh, I don't know. So, right, well, yeah. Know, I, my, it's, we can get into let's that. Let's save it for the – yes, It may not yeah. be Howard the Duck bad. 
<laughs> it's not quite right. Howard the Duck. Right. That, Howard well, the Duck is is a is a certain kind of uh, train wreck um, as opposed to uh, Dark Star. Yeah, you can only go up from Howard the Duck. That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So how about uh, Matt? What were your uh, how how much familiarity did you have with these movies going into this? Uh, so I had seen all of them. Uh, I was very familiar with um, Close Encounters, of course, Tron, Starman. Um, Explorers actually was one of those rare movies that I would mention to people. And I was like, have you ever seen that? And they're like, no. I'm like, oh, my God, I love this movie. Uh, Dark Star, I think I saw it maybe 15, 20 years ago at the recommendation of someone. It might have been at the Fantastic Fiction series. Like, oh, you have to see Dark Star. And then I saw it then, and we can get into it. But my 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 feelings are similar to Andrea uh, Andrea's. And it's like, um, you know how sometimes you you know you see a movie fifteen twenty years ago, and you're like, yeah, I, I don't remember really liking it very much. Maybe, maybe my tastes have changed, and then and then you rewatch it, and you're like, no, no, I was right. <laughs> it was kind of like that. But uh, yeah, no, I was uh, I had seen all of them. Uh, I think this was maybe my second time seeing Dark Star, but the others I probably seen you know multiple multiple times yeah i mean I, I was coming to these pretty fresh i mean i had you know close encounters of the third kind it's one of those movies that i had never seen before and it's just like i don't know why i never saw it <gasps> you it's never like, saw this before how is before that this possible podcast. yeah yeah so that's so i was like okay and, and you guys I'm, keep keep mentioning wow. it so so i was like all right i have to i have to watch this movie finally i think just as a kid you wow. know I mean, this came out before I was born, and I think just as a yeah. kid, I was. Uh, you know, don't have to stick the knife. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I think I thought it would be scary. So there was something about the box or something. I think I thought this would be kind of scary. So I, uh, you know, sort of like it, it is a little scary if you're a kid. I, I, yeah, if you're a kid. Yeah, I mean, uh, I saw Close Encounters when I was really young, and yeah, me too. Uh, you know, the scene where the boys abducted scared the crap out of me. It is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so I think that's why I'd never seen it. Um, but um, you know, I, I was like, okay, it's it's time. I got to watch this. And then I had had really no, I had never seen Starman or Dark Star at all. And I had definitely seen Tron and Explorers, but when I was a, a real little kid, and I didn't remember. All I remember remembered about Explorers was I remember that they have the force field sphere. And as soon as I watched the trailer, I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. But I didn't remember anything about the characters or the plot or anything. And then Tron, I, I I don't think I I was actually sort of shocked when I watched it that there's 30 minutes of total live action stuff. You know, the whole first act is I didn't mm-hmm. remember that at all. I just remembered it being this sort of endless, interminable movie where they're like wandering around <laughs> the computer. And yeah. uh, and I was like, well, maybe uh, let me watch it as an adult and see see what I think of it now. Um, but I, I, I didn't remember like, yeah, the beginning or the end or the plot really or anything. I just had sort of images, uh, that I remembered. Um, and then, so then how about Tom? Uh, what, what was your experience with these five movies? So Close Encounters I saw when I was, I think, nine years old in the theater and it absolutely not only blew my mind, but probably rewrote a lot of my mind and, and mm. set me off on a path of really loving science fiction, maybe in a way that, that, Star Wars even didn't do. Hmm. Um, and then Tron and Starman were kind of movies that somehow I missed when they were in the theater, even though I was sort of at the right age, but saw them on TV and uh, and really enjoyed them. And I've seen them. I hadn't really seen Starman actually all the way through. I had seen bits and pieces <sighs> of it. Tron I had seen 
um yeah you know it was like it was the love story thing turned me off as a younger you know when i was young i don't want to see this kissing scene yeah, yeah. it's just a kissing part like the kid like fred savage and yeah exactly princess bride but uh but then you know i had i had seen explorer when i was fully grown explorers when i was fully grown i saw it on a on tv and wasn't really that impressed and then and then saw uh had never seen or heard of dark star but i love John Carpenter, and so I was kind of excited to see it until I saw it. And now I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're going to save Dark Star for the end. So let's let's oh, uh, good. Oh, man. put that in nice for a second. But I, I want to start... pull off that band aid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just rip it right off. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I've got things to say. Okay. <laughs> no, no, because I wanted to start off with Close Encounters of the Third Kind because this is a classic movie, and I, I just saw it for the first time. It's 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. And, and you guys are always talking about it. So now you guys can talk about it and I'll actually know what you're talking about. Excellent. <laughs> um, awesome. I, I kind of want to hear what you think, Dave, since you'd yeah. never seen it before. Yeah. You go first before we, we spoil yeah. it with our, with our thoughts. Yeah. Well, I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, I thought that it was um, like, like a lot of movies from the 70s and 80s. I thought the pacing was pretty slow. Um, hmm. really? and, and that's a bad thing? Wow. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, I mean, it was it was a little too slow for me. But I mean, I, I thought that the the story was real. So the story I'll just explain is that there's this sort of ordinary guy. I think he's like a like electrical telephone repair repairman or something. or something. Yeah, yeah. And he uh, one night he's driving around in his truck on a on a job, and a, a UFO kind of hovers over him and shines lights on him, and this kind of uh, changes the whole trajectory of his life because it's. Uh, projected some sort of some images of this mountain into his mind and he's obsessed with recreating this this image of the mountain and and figuring out what 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 all what all this means and it uh and he sort of goes a little nuts and his it sort of uh tanks his marriage a little <laughs> yeah <laughs> he goes very nuts and it sort of and it definitely tanks his marriage and um and it eventually well, which was a bad marriage to begin with <laughs> okay well <laughs> i don't know if that's clear Oh yeah. really? It's it was to me, but but then I have, again, <laughs> I have theories. But wait, wait, wait. Let me let yeah, me just finish. Okay. Let me sorry. just finish the plot. And sorry, sorry, sorry. So so eventually he realizes that this um this mountain in his in his mind is this particular what's it called Devil's Tower I think in Wyoming. Devil's Tower, Devil's Tower yeah. And um and actually there's a bunch of people who have all um had this had the same image planted in their heads who have all been, you know, had close encounters with uh, UFOs. And so they're all sort of trying to converge on it. And the government uh, has this fake uh, like poison. What is it like poison gas outbreak or something to keep yeah. people away? Cause they don't want anyone interfering with their, their own attempts to contact the aliens. Uh, and at the end, uh, a UFO, like spoiler warning, like, but a UFO comes and I mean, this is the one part of the movie that I knew just from sort of cultural osmosis was yeah. this, this big, shiny city shaped kind of UFO comes and hovers over the mountain. And uh, and there's the sort of first contact scenario. Um, I guess it's not technically first contact because they've already abducted a bunch no, of people yeah. and everything. But it's this, this sort of contact with aliens scenario. Um, and so I, I enjoyed the movie a lot. I mean, I thought Richard Dreyfuss, who plays the main character, I thought he did a great job. I, I found him a really compelling character. Um, you know, the visuals, especially considering this is from 1977, the visuals I thought were absolutely mm -hmm. spectacular. Um, and particularly, you know, this is really, I think it's completely before CGI. Maybe it's just mostly before CGI, yep. but I think like completely. A, a lot of the, um, 
um, the things where there's like tons of like helicopters and tons of government employees running around and stuff. It's all real. You know, you can tell it's not CGI. Yep. It's, you know, they actually yep. built all this stuff. And, uh, and that's really, um, that's really like visually amazing. Um, yeah. I have some criticisms, but um, how about I'll just go around. What is Andrea? What is that? Anything I just say, does that spark anything for you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, let me just say that, you know, I, I think I'm pretty certain that I saw this in the theater when it came out. I was really young, but I definitely, I'm pretty sure I saw it in the theater. And I remember that sense of awe of it because it was like mind expanding. Um, and I, and, but I haven't seen it in years, very, years and years. And watching it again, I had the same experience. It, mm-hmm. it stands up. Yeah. Better than most movies I've ever seen. Yeah, it including the, the special effects. Like it's shocking yeah. how well th- it's done. Um, how it doesn't look dated in any way. Um, it's it's just a. I, I think it's a stunning movie. It's a classic, and it really shocked me how well it stood up. And I was in awe again. Um, as far as feeling like it dragged, uh, yeah, I can. I actually have notes saying. Uh, it doesn't feel like it's drag. It yeah, drags. I agree. Because I, this, this is a thing I've been doing lately with movies is if a scene seems really long, I'll stop and go back and, and time it just, just for my own benefit in, in writing. Everything that seems really long, any scene that seems really long to, to every time it comes out as, at three minutes. Anything that seems ex- excruciatingly long is 3.30. Wow. So I st- I actually started timing the scenes in this movie as I was watching it and the longest ones are 3:30 the traffic control scene and the how the fight scene in the house right at the beginning where they which is why I say they have a bad marriage because it's like such a tense where the where the kids are screaming and she's screaming at him and he's ignoring her it was really painful actually to watch yeah. but both of those scenes are 3:30 but for me, which usually means it's a really long, really overlong scene, but both of them I found really, really tense. Um, I thought they were incredibly yes. well done. Yeah. So I, I, well, I disagree I, with you on I, this. I one. think, I think maybe the issue for me is that I basically knew the ending already, right? I knew that, and I think it's mm. pretty clear anyway, right? Like you, you know, he's going to go to this mountain and meet the aliens at the end, and so yeah. like all the stuff of him like forming the tower out of. Uh, shaving cream and forming it out of cake and forming it out of dirt and everything like it get, it got to, to a little bit to the point where like okay can we move along with this like I, I already know where this is going let's get to but let's get but to that imagine three. that if you were a, a first time viewer of this movie and you didn't really know what where it was leading yeah, I the, think the, yeah. the mystery of it of of what does this mean you know he yes. literally says it and and then you know that that part where you know his wife has just left. He's totally obsessed. He's built this giant model in his living room. And then you see it on the television. Like I knew it was coming. I get the chills yeah. every time. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Me too. Um, yeah. Can I jump in? Dave? Sure. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A- Andrea. Sorry. Um, the, so we were just talking about pacing and timing. Like this is Spielberg's by far his best film. Yeah. I, I agree with that a hundred percent. And, and the the timing, the beats between it's just mm-hmm. so perfect. I, I've 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 studied this. Like I, I I don't write for TV or film. I I write fiction, but like just the beats, the timing, yep. it, it, it's so perfect. Um, everything is just so well paced. You know, after watching 
dark star where there's like you know a 20 minute scene of someone stuck in an elevator <laughs> did you time that scene by the way i'm curious how long i didn't i i it, it you know i was like tempted was 15 I, 20 minutes. i was very tempted but then i'm like i'm gonna have to spend more time watching this <laughs> no hell no yeah i i it, it's just so well paced so, so the the air traffic controller scene like that is a masterclass yes. in building tension. Like yep. there's, there's almost no special effects in that scene nope. at all. Like if you look carefully, like they, they added a few lights on the air traffic controllers dashboard. Um, yeah. Those guys, are, I don't know if all of them were, but I, I know the, uh, the main guy was a real air traffic controller. It, it, wow. it, you know what? I was wondering, I was like, that yeah. guy seems to, he knows what he's talking yeah, about. I think a couple of them were, and they, the way they were just talking to each other and like, if you think about it, you never see the planes. You never mm-hmm. see what the planes saw. They, yep. Spielberg does that all in your imagination. And if you look carefully, there's very few cuts in that scene. Yep. It, it, it is just a master of, of tension building and, and, and writing. And yes. like today, it would, it, like if they did that, they'd have the plane flying. Right. They'd have yep. crazy like fake CGI angles and UFOs yep. and, and the reactions from the people on the plane and the kids. Mommy, what's that? Like, and it just, yes. like, eh, right, <laughs> yeah, it's an, like, but yeah. it's all done in your imagination. Yeah. It's, it's a brilliant scene. Absolutely. And also, you know, like that, that, building the story in the viewer's head this is this was a film he made directly after jaws Mm -hmm. jaws is all about building the monster in your head exactly which actually for for him was an accident because the the shark Shark it couldn't couldn't help it yeah yeah they couldn't help it but it it wound up so so great exactly and the fact that he learned that lesson i you know i'm assuming from that experience of making jaws and he brought it and did it deliberately here and it is just so gripping it's also really well uh researched um so the guy who plays uh mr lacombe uh yeah the the french guy he was um based off of a, a real UFO researcher. He's still alive. His name is Jacques Vallée or Vallée. Yeah. I'm not oh, wow. good with my French pronunciation. And he's like a hero in the UFO community. Like mm-hmm. he, he, um, he totally is a believer, but he's a, he's a scientist. Everything he does is really methodical. He, he, he's very, he's convinced that UFOs are real and he thinks that they're a spiritual thing. They're not a physical thing that mm-hmm. in other words, they're like some higher, I don't quite understand it. Uh, yeah. but yeah, they're like angels um, or something. It, not quite angels, just sort of multi-dimensional kind of beings or something like that that are cued into our psyche. So it, it was interesting in that, you know, I, having read up more on uh, the real character that uh, Lacombe yeah. was based off of, to see how the aliens are basically communicating psychically. Uh, yeah. they, they they transmit these messages psychically. And, and I was like, you know, I always wondered, like, why do they abduct this boy? The the mother's like, go away, go go away. But the boy's, but the boy goes He's with happy. him, and why? Yeah, because he wants to. So yeah. if if you watch very carefully, he sees the the aliens before they abduct him, and he yep. smiles yep. at them. They never show it, yeah. but. He smiles. He wants to go with them. He wants someone to play with. He's a, he's like a, this kid all alone. A child, yeah. Yeah, and and it's that's it's why the child they, in us, you know. Right, and that's why he went, and that's why they took him. Not because like you know they were just like let's just abduct a kid and scare the hell out of his mother. Like I think there was <laughs> there was a communication issue there. Clearly, like they didn't quite understand that they were scaring us. Yeah. Can, can I ask Tom though? You you said that this like rewrote your brain or changed your life or something? Can yeah. you say like what, what impact? Say more about that. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I mean, I mean, Star Wars was, you know, was mind blowing. I saw that when I was eight and uh, when I had just turned eight and I was just absolutely blown away by the fantasy of it. It's a fairy tale, right? I mean, obviously, it's, it's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. But this came out about a year later, maybe a little more than a year later, which I, I was talking to him. I went and saw it in the theater with my friend Greg, who I met when I was two, and we still talk, you know, every week on the phone. And I was telling him I was getting ready to do this panel, and he was like, oh, that's so cool. And we got talking about this movie a lot. And um, he was like, remember when we went to see it when we were like, I don't know, we were like nine, I think. Uh, we, we both went to go see it in the theater. And it just completely took that Star Wars ethos of like, you've got this like really cool, amazing fantasy out in space. And it went, no, what if that was right down yeah. in your backyard instead? And you were suddenly like, holy cow, that, that's so much cooler as a little kid. This, this stuff could be real. And I, I became like, uh, you know, a junior Lackham at that point. I, I like was so into UFOs. I would talk about them all the time. My friend Greg and I would like be on the swings at our elementary school, just swinging and talking to each other. Like, imagine if like a UFO was just like <laughs> hovering over our school down there and you could picture it because you'd seen it in close encounters. And we, t and, yeah. and my mom started buying me, I, I would ask her to buy like books on UFOs. And then I, and then I started getting into science fiction and reading books on science fiction. But it made it so possible, it made it seem so possible that, they, that there really could be something yeah. else out there. And it just totally like, like, like Matt saying, it gave me chills just to think about it all the time growing up. And e certainly I go back and watch this movie like probably once every five years, I go back and watch it again. And I'm always kind of a little like, you know, I have to, I have to say, Dave, I think, you know, a kid like you, you know, you, you grew up with a shorter attention span. I'm, I'm kidding. But, uh, <laughs> you probably watched, you probably played a lot of video games. But, uh, but no, back, back in the seventies, movies were just slow because it was more about the director of photography mixing in with the scriptwriter and saying like, look, here's a cool photograph. And then we're going to put like words and, and motion in it. And I appreciated that more back then. But you're right. This one kind of cracks along. I think I do kind of feel like. Before I go and watch it every five years, I think like, well, it's going to be a little slower. You know, it's not like there's like explosions and aliens shooting each other and stuff, but I'll go watch it anyway. And then I'm always blown away by how I just get pulled right through the movie, mm -hmm. like so like gripped by something that not much really happens. I mean, when you think about in terms of the aliens, not much really happens. Yeah, but, well, um, actually, let me, let me let me jump in there because that that was my do. one. This that was my one really real criticism that I know you guys are all going to disagree with, but <laughs> I felt like it did not make a ton of sense to me what the aliens did. And and Matt was like the stuff Matt was saying, like okay, that makes a little more sense now. But it's like like if they've already abducted people from World War II and stuff, why do they need to communicate with music? Like they can't learn how to speak English. It's just like there just seems. So to I have a theory. Uh, okay. Okay. Go ahead. What's your theory? My theory is that they've they haven't actually been on Earth that long. Like they they try uh, like you know they they sort of hinted at it um, in the end. He's like you know Einstein was right. Einstein was probably one of them. One of them. Um, yeah. You know uh, that they 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 just came here. Like they literally just arrived and they've been zooming around checking us out for a little while. They've only been here their time for. I yeah. don't know, a, a couple months maybe. Yes, um, exactly. And they're just checking us out. And then they're like, oh, all right, I think it's time we, we contact them. And maybe the people who they abducted, like, we want to go home. And and that's that's what happened. So they weren't abducting people for 50 years or whatever. They were only abducting them for like a few months of their time. 
That makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. And, I mean, that's that's yeah. that's actually that would that's yeah. science. That's that's that, no, that's that's interesting. But I mean, I still feel like if even if it was a couple months subjectively for them, that still seems to be enough time to figure out like, oh, we're like scaring the crap out of people and abducting kids and stuff is like, yeah, upsetting. People. I mean, well, I nobody think- actually looks scared when they got off the ship. They no, no, but the people, who, the, the people like the mom yeah. got was, you know, like, how do they not realize the mom is going to be scared when they abduct her like little kid and stuff? Cause, I don't, cause they don't, I don't know too know, much about it. Uh, Go ahead, Andrea. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying maybe they just don't know that much about humans and they don't understand that that's. But they have humans on their ship with them. For like not not very long though. But like I think that there was still a communication barrier. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think that they really didn't understand us all that well. Um, Yeah, like I I think that they they were clearly trying to establish communication and that's part of what the, the music was. Yeah. I mean, these theories are cool and they, they make a lot of sense and so does your criticism, Dave. But the biggest thing that I love about this movie is that it left, like when you left the theater, you had yeah. so many more questions than you went questions. in with, but you yeah. had yeah. so much more excitement than you went in with. And, and I, I kept those questions for the rest of my life and I go back to them often and think like, well, what, you know, what were they trying to do? Why were they scaring the kid? Like, why did this happen? And what I absolutely love that hasn't happened is that they haven't gone back and made like a prequel or a sequel to try to like, <laughs> God, hey, let's no, answer all geez. the questions. You know what? Midichlorians are behind. Them. So like, <laughs> they haven't gone in and like, and I, and I hope, I pray to God they never do. I, I really don't ever want to know the answer. I don't ever want to know what somebody thinks the answer is apart from, you know, talking like this and speculating. I don't want somebody to go in and say, here's the official canon explanation of what was right, really going don't. on. Because I love, what I love more is what it created in my mind. Yes, exactly. This huge yeah. mystery yep. that I can work on, this huge, like, real estate of, of what the aliens could be and maybe what's going on, maybe what's not. I don't really know, but it's so exciting to think about. I really love Spielberg for having created that in my yep. brain. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree with well, that. Okay, so so we we need to start bringing in some of these other movies. So let me let me bring in Star. Uh, I can I can talk for another uh, hour about this movie. <laughs> okay, oh, yeah, we, maybe we should move on quickly. Do you know what? Uh, do you know what Close Encounters of the Third Kind are? Contact. Yeah. Contact. Yeah, because you were you were commenting how you don't get any real contact until the end. Well, that's the third kind, and then you have the first and second kind. The first kind is what's seeing it, seeing the ship, yeah. or something. Like that. The second kind is seeing the ship up close. I think second kind of yeah. evidence, isn't it? Yeah, physical evidence. Yeah, evidence. Oh, physical yeah. evidence. Okay. okay. And then yeah. the third kind is communication. Yeah. And that was based yeah. on a, like a real UFO, ufologist's um, like taxonomy. Yeah. I just want to say right. one thing. I know you want to move on. One of my favorite parts is like when the, when the alien ships first fly down to Devil's Tower and they record it and then they fly off and they all clap and like, congratulations, everyone. Yeah. Good show. And you think yeah. it's done. You're like, no, it's yeah. just beginning. Like yeah, it's that. like a fireworks display with a with a fake yeah. finale. Yeah, and you're actually yeah. Just because I want to talk about my favorite part, but it actually um it actually dovetails with that, which is he plays with expectations. The scene at the beginning where where Roy is lost in the car and he stops and yes. he pulls out his maps and a car pulls up behind him and it's just lights and he you know waves yeah. forward and you think it's a you think it's a ship yeah. an alien ship and then it pulls up next to him and it's just a guy who curses him out for stopping <laughs> yeah. him on the road and then it happens again like a couple minutes later and more lights behind him and you th- and he waves it forward and you think it's going to be another car and then it ends up the, the lights go up that's and so around. cool and it's yeah. like he plays with expectations and in that scene at the end 
you he plays with the expectations of you know they have this encounter and then everybody claps and you think that's the end and everybody thinks that's the end and then oh no 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 it is totally not the end so, so cool S- Spielberg is such a master of playing with your expectations mm-hmm. which is a mark of really great filmmaking I agree and just two more really quick things I'm sorry Dave but but number <laughs> one the release um it was released the studio wanted to push it earlier because they wanted it out by Christmas this is according to my friend who I was talking to about this so I don't have this this isn't definitive but he said that he was reading about it and that recently and they said that the studio pushed it earlier because they wanted to release it by Christmas and that he wanted, Spielberg wanted to release it in the summer and they're like, no, 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 you got to release it earlier. So he was like, all right, well, if we do that and it's a success, can I release, can we re-release my version, like the finished version, like the next year? And they were like, only if you put an end scene where you show the inside of the spaceship yeah. because we yeah. think everybody, <laughs> we think everybody wants to see that. And he was like, I don't like that. And they're like, well, that's the deal. And he was like, all right, fine. And so he did that part, which I think is, you know, doesn't really add much, but he wanted to put the scene with the ship in the desert that ev- evidently wasn't in the original cut, but he wanted to put it in. He just didn't have time. And there were a few other scenes that he wanted in there that ended up being it. If you, if you do watch it, definitely watch the director's cut because that's where he took yeah, out the stuff he thought shouldn't be in. And he put, yeah, that's, oh, that's yeah. the one. I got to watch that then. Yeah. I didn't know there was a director's cut. It's very it, good. Also, if you ever go to the Smithsonian Museum in Washington, D.C., you can see the, the mothership. They have the actual model that they use there, which oh, is cool. Wow. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, There's a little R2-D2 in it. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's stuck onto <laughs> yeah. the side of the ship. Yeah. And, and right. one, one, one last thing I'm sorry. This, well, this, was, this is the very last thing I want to say about this movie is he captures the pandemonium of 1970s family life and business work yeah. life so well. That yeah. it really felt, that's what made it feel yeah. like I, I, it could happen to me because the whole like, he looks like a 50-50 bar. I mean, there was a candy bar that was half white and half red yeah. back then. Yeah. There, uh, it was called the 30-30 bar or something like that. But it, that and the, just like the, you are close to death and like all the little <laughs> moments, yeah. the, all it's, it's same thing as in Jaws, the, the craziness. Yes, exa- I was thinking exact okay, same okay. thing. No, come it's on. the I'll same put, communication no, between the family members. I'm putting, I'm putting my foot down. We got to bring in some other oh. movies. Okay. So, so continue this offline. So, so wait, now I'm going to bring in two movies cause, cause, cause we're so far behind schedule here. But so, so now I'm going to bring in Starman and Explorers, which also have to do with contacting aliens. And so in, in Starman, uh, an alien comes to earth and is shot down and then sort of like grows into a replica of this uh, woman's uh, deceased husband and then kind of has to learn how to be human and they end up falling in love. And then, but he only has three days to get uh, picked up by his alien buddies again. Uh, And I I thought it was really, I thought it was really great. And then um, explorers, there is a kid and he keeps having dreams that he's flying over the circuit board and he and his buddy, inventor kid and you know build the circuit board and it allows them to create a a sort of force field sphere which enables them to make their own spaceship and fly up into space and meet aliens and so i think that explorers is like definitely the least good of these three movies Mm -hmm. um yeah but i will say that the one thing that i think it really has going for it at the end the twist is that the aliens that they meet are kid aliens who just want to meet mm-hmm. them because they've watched the radio television signals from earth and have become really interested in earth. And so there's this interesting juxtaposition where there's the kid from earth who wants to learn about space. And there's the kid aliens from space who want to learn about earth. And it actually yeah. made sense at the end, what the aliens motivation was. And so I feel like for all their strengths, close encounters and Starman, 
uh, you know, are, are way, way better in a lot of ways and, and work really, really well emotionally and visually and everything. But that in the end, I don't understand what the aliens' motivations are or why they do the things that they do, whereas in Explorers, I do. So, uh, Andrea, do you want to respond to any of that? I hated Explorers. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much I have to I, agree. I it's 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 an it's a children's movie. Yeah. It's a boy's fantasy movie. Yeah. Um and it didn't speak to me because I'm not a boy. <laughs> but did um, you think the twist was clever that the aliens turn out to be kids? At at that point I was so I hated it so much cuz that insanely long scene of the going through the different, you know, commercials from the eighties and, and yeah. the, the insanity of that. I wanted to claw my eyes. Did out you time it? Ricardo, by the way. I didn't. I thought, <laughs> yes, exactly. It's Robert Ricardo. Um, I, I was tempted to do it. And then I'm just like, I hate this so much. I can, <laughs> I can't do it. I, I hear um, I, I swear to God, it was probably like five minutes though. Um, it was just so painful. I agree with you. That and was terrible. We, for the record. Yeah. And then when we get to the point of, oh, it's just kids, it was just like, okay, great. Good for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was, it was, um, I, I watched it with one eye on the screen and one eye on my phone. That's how, um, uninterested I was in it. I, the, it, it, as a time capsule of, oh, it's Ethan Hawke and oh, it's River Phoenix. Um, it was, it was cool. Uh, and Robert Picardo's in it and, uh, James Cromwell, you know, two Star Wars, pre- Star Trek people. Um, that was fun. It's an eighties time capsule, but other than that, it, it, I am definitely not the audience. And I don't think I was the audience at the time either. You know, it's a, it's an, it's a movie for young boys and that's pretty much it. Um, Starman, I loved when I first saw it. I loved it again now. I, um, you know, at, at one point it was the last movie I watched in the, when I was watching them. I just stopped taking notes and I just, you know, it, it was so emotional. And it, I remember it being emotional when I was, you know, 20 years ago and it was emotional again. It hits exactly the right notes. The acting is fantastic. Karen yeah. Allen, so underrated. Oh, yes. oh I agree. Um, She's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was just so, it, it's just a beautiful movie. And by the way, I just, apparently they're remaking it, which really kind of. Oh, no, yeah. stop them. Yeah. Uh, and the the producer is Michael Douglas, as in that Michael Douglas. Yeah. Yes. Um, of, he was of the, the original. Yeah. Yes. And also of the new one. Yeah. I, I just saw it's like, I just saw it on IMDb. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, cause, I cause wish he, they wouldn't. He sort of, acqu- my understanding is he acquired the rights to the screenplay initially because he wanted to star in it. But then the studio said he was too old. And then they <laughs> cast <laughs> Jeff Bridges, who's like four or five years younger than him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah, I think he so he's still involved in the in the remake. Yeah. Um yeah. but so uh but yeah, but again, like I thought it like yeah, emotionally it works incredibly well, I thought. But then I have the same problem of like, wait, why did they like how does he not know more about Earth if they've been here before and they send him and he's gonna die in three days unless he makes it to this certain spot? And it's just like it like his mission doesn't make any sense. Like what are they trying to accomplish exactly? So um so Matt, what do you what do you think about what do you think about that? Um, so I have a soft spot for explorers. Uh, I saw this movie, I, I think when it came out, I, I don't think I saw it in the theater. Um, and this hit, hit my, like my nerd bone really hard. It was like, <laughs> um, you know, just, a, you know, a, a kid who has this dream and then they like 
hack together this force field that enables them to build a spaceship and they build it out of junk parts and then they fly into space. Like that part was so cool as a kid. Like I loved it so much, but I remember as a kid hating it once I met the aliens because I thought they were really cheesy and stupid. Yep. But as an adult, I did, yes, they were really still cheesy and stupid, but I thought there was actually a really smart message in it in, in that it's like, you know, we expect the aliens to be, um, you know, I, it was almost like the, the anti close encounters. Like we expect the aliens to be these spiritual, vast, intelligent beings to, to impart all this wisdom. And, you know, they could be just as fucked up as we are. Right. <laughs> you know, like, like I, I like where the, the kid um, says, like he, he looks at the screaming alien, the, the giant alien screaming at the two uh, children aliens. And, and he goes, Oh, that's the dad, you know? Yeah. Uh, like he knew he recognized that the, like, there's messed up shit all across the universe, not just, you know, at home on Earth. And uh, that that part of it, I, I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, I forgot how annoying Ethan Hawke was in this. Like he just <laughs> he just whines a lot. Um, yeah. yeah. And like the whole romance subplot, like he likes the girl. Oh, and then like and then at the end, they're flying together. Like we ne- I don't even think she said a word in the whole. Movie. No, talk about objectifying! Uh, Holy cow! Yeah, yeah, that that part. Of Not the- to mention he's creeping on her, looking at. The- I know, he's looking at the windows. Like, come yeah. on, wait, let's wait. all look. No, okay. Matt, he does say a single word, or she does say a single word. She says his name question mark when he's looking through her window. Perfect. So, oh right, right. That's there a you go. There's That's a word. Right. There's a word right there. That's all she needs to say. It was, it was totally. It was totally. It was creepy. Uh, even as a kid, I, I remember thinking like, "That's kind of weird." Like just staring yeah. in a window. Uh, Starman, on the other hand, I, I love that. I love this movie. Um, so I, I think that, uh, you know, w- one of the things I love about Starman is is how intimate it is. Uh, mm-hmm. That we just start with like Karen Allen's. You know, she's mourning the loss of her of her lover. I don't know when he died, but six months earlier. Six I months earlier. Yeah. And like you just see it in her. And then along comes this alien in her lover's body. And I love that they don't waste time where she thinks it's him. Like right yeah. away she knows this is not her her dead husband. She knows it. And then they just go from there. And it's like she's she goes from being terrified of him to to being less scared of him to, to seeing a, uh, an empathic side of him. Like when he heals yeah. the deer, like yeah. I, I yeah. really always, even to this yeah. day, like it, it yes. like I feel that so like powerfully and, yep. um, just, you see that he, he really cares. He just wants to survive. Um, and then, um, but yeah. what, what do you think, Matt, about my, my, my point that both close encounters and Starman work incredibly well emotionally but don't work that well if you think about them. So I think Close Encounters works better because the the mystery is there. We don't know. Like I, I think that, uh, like Tom said, that that big sense of wonder question mark that works for me. Close Encounters. I agree. Starman. It was like yes, we've been here before. Um, you know, I, I did like I did like the message of Starman in the sense he's like you know the. Um, the, the SETI guy, like as if SETI has like people that yeah. go out and investigate it. But, uh, <laughs> it's like or- ordering funny. the police like, around. Where he, he's like, he's like, we invited him here. You know, we, 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 we literally like, you know, with the, I don't know if the Voyager golden record actually says come to earth, but um, the, the message is like, you know, we come in peace. And then, and then, uh, you know, he comes and they shoot him down. Like I, I, I thought that was really affecting. Yeah. Um, 
you know, whether or not it makes sense, what, you know, it's a conceit. I, I think that sometimes with these stories that, you know, in order to get to the, to the meat of the story, you have to, you have to be willing to, to, uh, you know, suspend your disbelief a little bit about why he might've come there and, and the circumstances, et cetera. Yeah, but, I yeah. actually have a point about this, but I want to hear Tom hasn't been able to talk yeah. yet, but I, once we, I want to come back around okay. to it about this specifically. I, I also wanted to say really quickly, I think both Karen Allen and Jeff Bridges were amazing in this. Yes. Absolutely, and their yeah. chemistry together, like the fact that Jeff Bridges is walking around like a robot who's like learning how to be human and Karen goes from being terrified of him to, to, to loving him. Like that arc was just so yeah. beautifully done. Jeff Bridges eating eating an apple pie. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. Just his face. Like, yeah. That, like that alone, he should have gotten an Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But Tom, what's, what do you think of Starman and Explorers? So I'll, I'll start off with Explorers cause I don't have too much to say about it. But, um, but I thought, uh, I saw this when I was like 20 or 25 or something like that. And, um, and instantly was like, okay, this is a kid's movie. It's for kids. It's not for me. And maybe I would have liked it if I'd seen it when I was a lot younger. But uh, but I didn't. And then I thought the the kernel of it is really cool and plausible. I think, you know, I've read articles like if aliens do contact us, it almost certainly will be through some like digital form that they won't come here in person. It'll be like we get like light messages or they transmit their intelligence to us in the form of like radio waves and they somehow like take over computers or whatever, like something like that. That's how like the the yeah. close encounter of the third kind will actually, actually happen, and so that's kind of actually, how Tom, it happens. Let me let me let me make a point on that. It's actually I, I looked it up, and now I don't remember when Carl Sagan's Contact, either the novel or the film, came out. But this is almost this, almost 80s. identical premise, right? That aliens transmit data to us yeah. to allow us to construct a machine that's going to allow us to go visit them. So it's yeah, kind okay. of interesting that, that both those ideas, you know, this is like the kid's version of contact basically. Uh, okay. I, yeah. I, I read that book when I was in high school and I, and I, uh, and I watched the show, you know, religiously, religiously. No, I watched the show. Uh, what was his show? It was a show called Cosmos. Or oh, oh, um, oh, Cosmos. Cosmos. Yeah. 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 I watched the show religiously. In fact, my nickname in, in high school was Cosmos because I, my friends <laughs> knew that I watched it all the time. So I probably came across that idea there as well. But, um, but, yeah, I thought that was really cool. That's a really cool idea. And I was like, wow, this makes so much sense. And I was watching the movie, like, even though it was a kid's movie, I was right along with it almost the whole way up until we get to the aliens. And then I was like, what the? <laughs> yep. This is, does not appeal to me at all. I do think it is kind of a cool idea, like you said, Dave, that there turns out they're kids, but it just, re it just reminded me of the original Star Trek show with Tre Trelane in it, the, the general who turns out to be a kid. And at yeah. the end, he's like, He's like lording it over Kirk and Spock and everybody and killing people. And then his parents at the end are like, no, Trelane, if you can't play with your humans, you won't be allowed to have them at all. Huh. And uh, it kind of reminded me of that. Um, so I didn't really like it. But anyway, so Starman, um, I absolutely loved and I had never seen it except I had seen snippets of it on TV and just turned by it because, like I said, it was romance and I didn't care. <laughs> Um, but my friend Greg, who I talked to him about, he's like, oh no, he's like, I watched the thing in high school and in the end always made me cry. And he's like, I've yep. seen it so many times. And I, and when I watched it all the way through this time, I was like, holy crap, I didn't know it was John Carpenter, number one. Yeah. I didn't, who I love, except, yep. except in Dark Star. I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know it was, um, you know, that it was based on the whole Voyager thing, which I thought was so cool. When I saw the beginning, I was like, wow, that's so awesome. I didn't know that, you know, I didn't know the backstory about, I knew, 
from the movie that her her he was posing as somebody who died, her, her lover who died. But I didn't get the whole like setup for it. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, wow, that's so powerful. And I loved the acting. I love Karen Allen. It's just you just have to love her in anything. Yeah. And then Jeff Bridges as well. He's so fun to watch in anything. But in this, he's so plausible. And it's so funny. He he walks this line between like like you said the Dutch apple pie scene where he's got the pie in his mouth and they're looking at him like what's wrong and he goes Dutch apple pie he's got the whipped cream <laughs> in his mouth and he's just like oh my gosh it's so good but also like imitating people because he doesn't know how to be like on Earth so he just listens to what people says and then he pantomimes them he like yeah. imitates them back to themselves yeah, and the thing he, like when with he's the hitchhiking yeah 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 and the guy's like. Must be some kind of roadblock, I guess. And he's like, roadblock, I guess. <laughs> and he, and he like, everybody who talks to him, he like imitates them and they're like, what? And then when he drives through the red light, she's like, what are you doing? He's like, no, I watched you very closely. Yeah. Red light stop, <laughs> green light go, yellow light go very go fast. Go very fast. Yeah. yeah. I still say that. I still, <laughs> so do I. That's I one of those do. things I always remembered. Yeah, yeah, it sticks in your head. But there's yep. so many, like, I won't say unintentionally funny because they're supposed to be funny, but. He's that he doesn't think they're funny, and Karen Allen doesn't think they're funny. It's like you know they're funny because you're watching the movie, but it's so br- it's such a brilliant movie, and I love it. And then the ending, I had seen the ending before, not knowing the setup, not having watched the rest of the movie, and, and wasn't impressed by it. But having watched, you know, watching the whole movie through this time, the ending is very powerful. When he tells mm-hmm. her yeah. he gave her a baby, but he'll take it back if she doesn't want it, and the baby will grow up to be a teacher, and she like kisses him and hugs him. She's so happy because that's all she wanted was like she's like i can't have kids like you know i always wanted a kid with this with her significant other but she couldn't have one and then he gives that to her and not only that but it's basically going to like save the world it's going to become this teacher who uh who's going to help people it's such a it's such a great and it's movie. her husband's dna so it's basically yeah, yeah so it's, it's, it's ba- his baby too yeah it's his baby yeah. too yeah yeah it's really cool yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I totally agree that Jeff Bridges' performance is, is phenomenal. I mean, apparently, I think he was, he was like a nominee, an Oscar nominee for it, and he lost to the mm-hmm. guy who played Salieri in uh, Amadeus. Oh, um, no. so, that's a rough, that's a uh, that's, tough uh, competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, like just emotionally, I, I think this is just absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, I agree. So just just a couple of points yeah. here. Um, first of all, I do have one criticism, or at least I think it's a criticism. If this is based on Voyager and he has the Voyager record in his ship, Voyager only launched in 1977, um, and this movie is from like 1984. Uh, 84. So it's only yeah. been like. It hasn't even years. left the solar system. Exactly. Yeah. That's my point. Like it well, hasn't even gotten to Pluto at that point. So I, where did he pick it up? I, I watched this a, a few times and I wonder that. And I think, you know, at the beginning you see um, the Voyager probe go into what looks like a ringed planet. I actually yeah. think that's a spaceship and not a planet. Oh, maybe. Huh. I don't. I don't know. But maybe, that was my question. That was the only question I had. Like, yeah. uh, you know, like maybe, maybe the aliens from Close Encounters of the Third Kinds. Picked up the thing and brought <laughs> it, it off to the dropped it. Maybe it, maybe it dropped through a black hole. <laughs> <laughs> um, my other point is, Dave, and this is directly to what you were saying that you don't. There's no explanation for why they're doing this. Um, and I, I'm bringing this up because uh, it's Casablanca's like 75th anniversary, um, and they're re-showing it in uh, theaters now. And it's one of my f- top five movies, favorite movies of all time. And the point. The whole plot of Casablanca is they're trying to get these 
letters of trans, 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 transit, transit. Thank you. Letters of transit to get out of Casablanca. The whole, but the, the point of the movie is that's just, it's like a red herring. Um, it's, there's no, a MacGuffin. I'm sorry. That's the thing. It's a MacGuffin. It's the point, but the real point is the story and the, the, the characters and the, the relationships. The chemistry. Those trans, the, the, the papers are ridiculous. Like, if you actually think about it, it's like, yeah. wait, it can never be questioned? That's right. absurd. Right. Um, so it's not the point. It's the, the point isn't why they're here. The point is the relationship and the story yeah, exactly. and the characters well, yeah. and their characters' relationships. So that's, no, I, I, I think you have to go look at it that way. No, I, I agree with you that, I mean, I, I think, I don't think most people are going to care that much. You know, I think most people are going to enjoy the movie because people, most people are just sort of emotional people and they care about the emotions <laughs> and stuff. I'm just saying. And like, you don't is what you're saying? Well, I'm just saying like, if you're a, like a hardcore science <laughs> if fiction you're a fan, robot. Like, like, like me, I just, I, th- I just think it's interesting to, to talk about, like, if the setup of the story is he's going to die in three days. Like, why? That doesn't make any sense. So, I mean, like, and it's like, you know, if, well, if that's the only way to, if that's the only way to tell this story, then okay, fine. Who cares? But it's like, could, could we at least have a conversation about whether there's yeah. any way to justify that or whether there's some other, you know, uh, setup that would have worked better? I mean, or made I, more I sense? think, I think you can, you can dig into it and think maybe there's something there because he wasn't supposed to crash and, and use Jeff Bridges' DNA to become this hybrid. He was supposed to go. Yeah. Straight somewhere else, straight to that crater, and then something was supposed to happen there. With the, the ship was supposed to pick him up, but he was supposed to do something there first, so he could only like sustain himself in Jeff Bridges' DNA body that he made maybe for three days before he died. Or I don't really know. I think I, I mean my read is that he's separated from his power source, like those balls that he carries balls, yeah. right, are right. So, are some kind of power that his his people have and with his ship crashed that's all the power he has left he only has enough and that they're coming in three days if he doesn't make it he's gonna die right uh yeah yeah, Here, yeah. Here's so, a so, but they could have just that. explained they could have, i mean you could I, I think there there could be an explanation i just think maybe there could have been one line of dialogue explaining that kind of stuff you know like why why was he sent here and what was his mission exactly and I don't know. I think that would be interesting. But go ahead, Andrea. I I was just going to say it's the ending is just so affecting and yeah. the music also is yeah. really it just gets you in the gut every, it, for me every time. Me too. But here's here's me extrapolating to a really bummer ending. The minute that ship is gone, those army guys are going to take her and they're going to take her apart literally. <laughs> oh. So I, I don't know. That's always what I think of. Yeah, and when then I he get gives her ending. one of those, uh, you know, alien s- spheres, and then you know, like, th- like they're not going to be like, okay, go home, yeah, go you home. Know. Yeah, well, she's not take, going home. Take, yeah, maybe she's she uses, get locked up. Maybe she uses the ball to make them all like forget, like a Men in Black flashy maybe. thing, uh, memory eraser. <laughs> <laughs> that's maybe. that's me um, being a. Blackheart. <laughs> I, I think that I think I I think I saw they're gonna remake. Or wait, you you mentioned that right? That they're yes, remaking st- yeah, this? they're yeah. remaking it. Yeah. Ugh. Do you know there was a TV show that I remember as well? They made a TV show about it, her and the baby. But uh, uh, really, uh, yeah. So so yeah. Maybe, maybe I don't know Ed? what happened. Uh, I I don't remember. I I must have watched it because I remember it, but I don't know. Yeah. It, it must have been because it didn't last long. So maybe in the, the new one can open with her and she's just been in this like padded cell for the last 30 years. Like yeah. experimented <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah. Like, oh, thanks, oh, so Starman. Thanks. No. <laughs> no. 
Um, all right, actually, so I thought I was going to save Dark Star for last, but I think I changed my mind. I think I want to go into Dark Star now because yeah, let's, let's rip it off, John rip, Carpenter, rip it right off, and it also has the word star in it. So I think that makes a nice segue there. Um, so, <laughs> so the reason that I have this on the list is that I, I just heard that George R. R. Martin likes this movie. And when he <laughs> reopens the Jean Cocteau theater in Santa Fe, he had a, it was like a triple screening. And this was one of the movies that he picked to, for the, for opening night. And there's a character oh, in Song of Ice and Fire, whose name is, whose like nickname is Dark Star, which I, I'm almost certain is a reference to this movie. Must be. So, so that's why I wanted to watch it. And so it sounds like everyone else didn't like it at all. I'll say that I watched like 75% of it thinking this is really bad. I don't know why anyone likes this. But then I actually really liked the ending. Like the, the last couple of things that happened at the end, I really liked and ended up being like, oh, that was actually, I actually kind of like the ending of that. Uh, I guess I'll just explain. So this is a movie from 1974. It was John Carpenter's first movie. And it was a collaboration between him and Dan O'Bannon when they were film students at USC. Ah, and that makes sense. Yeah, and it went well enough, and it was a forty. It was originally to like a forty-five minute student film, and then somehow it got shown to a you know producer or executive or something who was like, "Oh, we could make this into a real movie." And so they oh, they okay. added the whole thing. They added a bunch of stuff, including the whole thing with the beach ball alien. Oh, uh, no. to, oh God! To pad it out to feature length, and um. And, and and so there was actually a funny quote from Dan O'Bannon where he says it went from being the most impressive student film of all time to the least impressive professional film of all time. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, yep. I, I was thinking that they could have done a highlight reel of this and it, I might have said, oh, that was amusing. Yeah, I, I think yeah. at 45 minutes, this would actually be pretty good. Yes, yeah. I, I agree. Um, because I, I started out laughing. Yeah. Like I was laughing at the beginning, yeah. but then it was just like the the whole scene with the beach ball alien and then the 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 elevator oh, thing. Oh god, the elevator! I was like, oh my the god, elevator. what the hell? It's like a Three yeah. Stooges routine. Yeah. So let me just—I don't—I I don't know if I explained. So so it's Sorry. there's a there's like what three or the four guys I guess, and they're on this spaceship out in deep yeah. space, and they've been out in space for like ten or twenty years or something, and they've kind of gone crazy, and the ship is running down. And, um, and, and it's just, it's, it's sort of a screwball comedy kind of absurdist, uh, kind of thing. Um, and, but the, the, the thing that makes it interesting historically is that Dan O'Bannon, you know, like I said, he added in this, this there's this part where there's this, 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 this beach ball alien kind of runs around the ship and this guy tries to hunt it down. Uh, I think it's actually Dan O'Bannon himself playing the character who's hunting it down. If I remember right. Oh, the guy pinchback. Yeah, pin, pinback. Finback. Finback. No, pinch. No, it's pinchback. No, it's finback. F I N B A C K. It's IMDB no. says pinback, but I I heard when they were saying I heard finback, but P. I was looking at the the names on the on the on the uh, Me too. Yeah. outfits. Me too. It said pinchback. It said pinchback. I what? noticed that their yeah. names were misspelled. Actually, <laughs> like Doolittle, I think had like a missing eye. Yes, or there was a missing eye. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm almost certain it's pinback, but but let's let's just agree to disagree. But so anyway, so so that's Dan O'Bannon, and so he so he added in this thing where they're hunting, where he's hunting down the alien, and then when he showed it, it was supposed to be funny, and nobody laughed, and he was like, <laughs> he's like, hmm, maybe I should make this like not funny, and so he he rewrote it as Alien, and that's where the movie Alien came from. <laughs> oh wow! What? Wow! Yeah, That's Dan O'Bannon. Did he yeah. write the movie Alien? He did. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh my gosh! Oh, talk talk about finding some gold in a pile of dung. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'm, wow. I'm just stunned. But but so, so Tom, so wait, wait, I want to ask Tom that Tom, I, I would have expected some of this to be up your alley because it has a little bit of a Douglas Adams kind of thing with the the bombs that you have to you know that want to blow up and all the stuff. Was there was there nothing that you found uh, appealing about this movie? No, I did notice that. It, it kind of reminded me of like the original Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy TV show with the bad mm-hmm. special effects and the <laughs> so-so acting and the and everything just kind of like you know it, it what there were some funny like I did I did yeah, I did see like shades of Douglas Adams with the bomb that was like, "No, I can't. I'm not going back <laughs> in the bomb bay. I'm not listening." <laughs> like that that was that way, you're right, but um basically I I, I was well, I went into this thinking, "Okay, John Carpenter, I'm going to see proto John Carpenter here and see what he did. And I'm glad to hear that this was a student film. It makes total sense yes. now. It's kind of like, um, Sam Raimi, Evil Dead, the first Evil Dead movie he made as a student film. And it's pretty good. This is just terrible. I was kind of hoping when you said that it was shorter and they made it longer, I was hoping that maybe like some brilliant film school teacher was like, you know what you should do? You should make some kind of conflict at the end. And the beach ball scene was already there and the elevator scene. But no, he told him to add the beach ball. Never mind that guy. Um, but I think if you squint past the beach ball, the, the bad acting, the bad special effects and the odd story elements, there's kind of a cool suspenseful plot here. So that's what I came away with. I was like, I was like, I do like the, um, like you said, at the very end, when at the very beginning and the very end, how they set up like these are people who go around, they have these bombs that can blow up an entire planet. And then at the end, one of the bombs goes crazy and, and is, and thinks because of a malfunction, thinks that it, it has to listen to its programming and this guy has to try to talk it out of it. That was really cool. Yeah. With, with, but by it, like, but persuading it of radical skepticism. I, th- I was laughing. Yeah. I was, I thought that was yeah. a laugh out loud funny to me. Yeah, that was really cool, but that was only like 10 minutes of the movie. Like the rest of the movie, the rest of the stuff they put yeah. in there to make it into a movie was just like, oh, this is so horrible. But it, I, one thing I did kind of like, although I hated the elevator scene, I did kind of like, I thought it was a cool sort of exercise in how you build suspense in that they're going to have him like hanging from the elevator and figure out how to fix it. But then the way he fixes it doesn't work. And then that leads him to another thing he has to try. And that was kind of oddly suspenseful, even though it was really annoying. I was like, oh, there, you can see sort of proto John Carpenter here saying, this is how you would use complications to tell a story. Um, so that was kind of fun. But other than that, no, I didn't yeah. find anything well, really, really. Let me just mention before other people, let me just mention the things I liked at the end. So where the movie started to kind of turn around, turn around for me was first uh, pinned back, and I swear it's pinned back. He tells the story about how he, <laughs> he like stole someone's uniform, and that's how he ended up on this mission. And I was like, oh, this is actually kind of funny. That was and, cool. That yeah. was cool. And then um, he go, one of the guys goes down to talk to the captain who's dead, but his brain is still, there's still like electrical activity in his brain, so they can still sort of talk to him. But he's, and I was like, this is, actually pretty, this is actually pretty cool. And then, yeah, and then yeah. when, he, when he like talks, he like teaches the bomb philosophy to get it to not blow up. And then, yeah. yeah, and then the last, at the end where it all, where like one guy goes into the like meteor, the pretty meteor shower that he's been talking about and the other guy surfs down mm-hmm. into the atmosphere. That was cool. Like mm-hmm. all that stuff. I was like this, like if, if it had been like a 10 minute movie or, you know, maybe yes. like just enough yeah. to set up that stuff. I think if this would have been, been pretty cool. just as short as a student film. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Cause like I said, I started, I was laughing at the beginning, the whole, the whole, um, 
message from Earth where they're like, oh, sorry, we can't help you with the radiation shielding. Yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. And the, the scenes between the guys in the, in the control and then in their, you know, in their bunks, it's all, it goes on a little too long, but it's funny. Yeah. But, but, you know, the, the beach ball scene and the elevator scene, it was just like, it took too much out of me. And I could see if you cut all that extraneous shit out of it, it would have been a really funny movie because the the beginning and the ending are are really good. Yeah. But you know, the the one of the things I wrote here in my notes was student film. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. Just, yeah. Just a student film. But if it would have, I can see how it was a really good student film. I yeah. absolutely can see that. Absolutely, a hundred percent. Yeah, and I, I, there was one funny moment too, Dave, where he he. We're pin, you're right, it's Pinback. I just looked it up so I could say, I told you it was Finback. And I was like, oh, shoot, it's wrong. It's, it's Pinback. But, uh, but so he's, he comes back in after the elevator scene and they're going to have lunch and he goes, you guys, I was hanging in the elevator for 20 minutes. And he's like trying to tell him about it. And then one guy's like, what are we having for lunch? And he's like, it was 20 minutes. I was hanging there. I almost died. And he goes, probably chicken again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and then, and then he starts telling the story about how he stole the guy's uniform and the guy's like, Instead of reacting to him at all, the one guy looks, one character looks at the other and says, he told us this four years ago. And the other guy goes, yeah, yeah. no, I disagree. It was four years ago. Goes, yeah. It wasn't. The first guy goes, no, it wasn't. Like that was cracking me up. Yeah. Uh, so Matt, what do you, anything else you want to add? Um, I want to add that, um, this movie was referenced in all this pop culture stuff that I had forgotten. So, um, uh, did anyone ever, are, are you guys familiar with the band OMD, Orchestral Maneuvers in the yep, Dark? Yeah, of course. So they had an album called Dazzle Ships, which is like their concept album. It's very science fictional. And there's a lot of um, uh, clips from this movie that I didn't realize, like huh. sounds and, and beeps. And um, I think it's the song, it might be Genetic Engineering, the song that takes clips from this film. Um, I thought the bomb the bombs plural were they were super funny and um like i wrote down uh red dwarf because i feel like oh, red yeah. exactly red that's Dwarf's exactly like, what i was thinking talky toaster yep. like the bombs are basically talky toaster like yeah they yeah. doodly do yeah well I, <laughs> you know, they, they're just like these suit these like i'm ready to blow something up you know like i was well, like well, yeah that's talky toaster well, well matt i'm not a hundred percent sure of this but i swear at some point i read a note where it said that the guy who came up with red dwarf watched this and then that inspired him to create i could red totally dwarf. see it totally uh, see I, it yeah i totally see it um so i didn't know that that uh pinback or finback whatever his name is was the guy who <laughs> pinchback uh, dan pinchback dan <laughs> o'bannon i didn't know that he wrote alien because when they did the the knife thing with his hand i'm like oh that's right out of alien and aliens yeah yes uh, and I was like, wow. oh, yep, that's why. That's why it's in both. Um, that's crazy. So there's like this surf rock science fiction band that was big in the 90s called Man or Astro Man. Do you ever heard of them? Oh, yeah. And they Whoa, take a lot funny. of quotes from this movie. Like the one is like, do you think there's we'll ever find any intelligent life out there? And the other guy goes, who cares? <laughs> that was great. That was actually really funny. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Uh, and then I thought, you know, there were parts that were funny. Like I liked when the officer does the message home and the computer's like, mm -hmm. you know, offensive language will be deleted. And then he has a calm <laughs> message and then they cut to a different one. It's all like, it's just all deleted, just all bleeped yeah. out. And then, and, then the yeah. calm, and then the angry one, the calm, like that stuff was really funny. And I, and I think that, um, with a rigorous edit, like this yes. could be a really funny, entertaining film, but just like, sure. There, 
that one scene where they're going through the ion storm, I'm like, oh man, I, you know, I don't have epilepsy, but I think this is giving me epilepsy. Like yeah. it was flashing <laughs> so bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's, if you're a science fiction person, uh, you know, it, it, it might be worth seeing just, just because I think a lot of things reference this and, it's yeah, well, it it's, it's definitely moments. a huge historical interest. I mean, I was yeah. I was really surprised, yes. you know, just to find out how important this was, you know, after when I as I was researching it. Crazy. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. So, that was a lot more positive than I was expecting from uh, <laughs> from from how you guys were at the start of the. Well, I mean, the beach. We we just avoided all this stuff, like the beach ball. What the? Yeah, <laughs> that, that was, was that just, was, it was just like so twenty annoying. minutes of what the fuck's going on here. Yeah, yeah, but but um. The minute you said it, like it's a student, it was a student film that got a bunch of stuff padded into it. It made so much sense yes. because I would my my disconnect from it was there's a lot of really funny stuff in here, a lot of really funny '70s stoner comedy going on here, but it it just has these parts that are interminable, and it it's what completely just made me angry. But I can see how you can cut a really funny student movie out of this. And I yeah. can see why somebody was like, I want to buy this. I want, you know, I want to make yeah. new filmmakers. Well, and, and yeah. it's like a really interesting proto alien movie, right? Where you have this yeah. like, rundown ship yeah. in space and yeah. these blue collar yes, exactly. workers and it's all dirty yeah. and everything. Yeah. Chasing the alien around the ducting and yeah. 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 I mean, it's basically a spoof of 2001. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, for, no, for absolutely, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't give give it a super high recommendation, but definitely if you just want to see, you know, because it's of such historical interest, I think if you're a hardcore science yeah. fiction fan, you know, you probably want to watch it if you can, you know, if you can sit through some of the some of the slower <laughs> parts. Um, all right, well, let's get on to our last movie, Tron. Uh, speaking of slower parts, uh, so. Um, See Tom, I think in in our I think in our last episode maybe somebody when I mentioned Tron you were like oh that's great, and, uh, yeah. Do you, still, do you still think it's great having having rewatched it? Yeah, I get the sense that I'm going to be a minority here, but I love this movie. <laughs> I absolutely love this movie, and I have since I, the first time I saw it. I, I missed it in the theater, and then I was home one day, one Sunday. I think I told said this on on an earlier Geek Scout episode. I was flipping through and my older brother came through who introduced me to like Stranger in a Strange Land and a lot of other science fiction. And he was like, oh, you got to watch this. This is a great movie. And I was like, okay. So I re watched the rest of it. And then the next time it was on, I watched the whole thing. And then ever since then, it's one of those movies that I watch every few years. And I absolutely love it. I think it, I think it has a cool story. I think it's not science fiction. I think it's fantasy with a science fiction setting, uh, with, with a technical setting rather. And uh, a technological setting. I think it's a, it's just a really cool fantasy story. It, it rolls together a lot of cool elements that somebody who is my age grew up immersed in, like, uh, gladiator movies, not to reference airplane, <laughs> but there was a, there were a lot of gladiator movies on TV all the time for whatever reason when I was a kid. Absolutely. It, 100%. It, pull, it, it pulls that into the gladiator movie in with the video game culture that was huge at the time it was made. In with um, religion, which was also huge at the time it was made, in with uh, just lots of lots of other themes, and pulls them all together and synthesizes them into this totally new, beautifully imagined world, like richly imagined world, where 
I'm just blown away. It's such an original thing. Yes. The, the whole story is just so cool. Oh, and also corporate corporate evil like was was yeah. a big thing back then when yeah. the movie actually, came out. Actually, Tom, let me just explain the let me just explain the plot. Um, yeah, yeah. We, so, so yeah, so there's a uh, uh, a, a video game master slash expert programmer uh, played played by Jeff Bridges, who we just saw in Starman, um, and he had invented a bunch of games on his company mainframe and then his boss sort of stole them all and pretended that he wrote them and became like president or something vice president of the company and and fired jeff bridges and so ever since jeff bridges he opened his own video game uh, arcade and he's been trying to sort of hack into the mainframe to find evidence to prove that these were his his games and so he he gets some help from some of his friends who still work at the company and to sneak him into the office, and then he's going to hack into the system. And there's this evil AI called the Master Control Program, right? Who sort of blasts him with a laser, which digitizes him and transports him into this into the like cyberspace world of the computer, where programs are, are people. And um, and there's this sort of the, the Master Control Program runs this authoritarian state that is suppressing the belief in the the users who are the, you know, they're, they're trying to make it so that the programs aren't allowed to acknowledge that there's humans who wrote them and, um, and give them commands and stuff. Um, and, and so, yeah, so, so basically, and it's sort of like the wizard of Oz where like all the Mm. real life characters have their analogs in the, in the virtual world. And, um, and so the characters have to kind of go on this quest to overthrow the, the evil master control program. Okay. Yeah. So, so so perfect. So just, just to wrap up that thought, um, the two other two other quick things about it. I, I uh, also the uh, I was going to say aside from the religion, also the idea of like totalitarian regimes because everybody's worried about communism back back when this came out. Huh. But um, but so so it's also still to me when I watch it today, it's amazing to me how visually it still really holds up. Although you can yeah. tell it's not CGI. There's a little bit of CGI in it, but. It, visually, I still think a it's stunning. Whoa. Yeah, very. At the end, there is a little bit of animation. What? Animation, of course. Yeah. No, yeah. no. Well, there, but, actually, this was the first movie to have any significant amount of CGI in it. I think there's about 20 oh, yeah. minutes of CGI, mm. and then the yeah, rest of a, it is is like hand drawn animation designed to look like CGI. Yeah, kind of rotoscoped or whatever, partially rotoscoped or whatever. But but it, it's uh it's it's stunningly like visually stunning. And then the other thing I just want to say about it is it, it was. I although I never watched the movie, the video game was huge when it yeah. came out. Like yeah. I played that video; that was my favorite video game mm-hmm. in the arcade when I would the get light like cycles and the, yeah. the light, yeah, light cycles and the spiders game. You know, the the robot, which don't really feature in the film very much, but it's a cool part of the video game and uh, and the MCP cone part. And um, that video game was what you know when I would get my my free tokens for getting an A in school I would go right into <laughs> the arcade near us and I would pump those into that Tron game and I would play that thing and and then when I what, now when I see the movie I'm, that video game just comes back to me it was so much fun it was such a great game and it's cool that it was a movie about video games and they made a really good video game out of it yeah, yeah. but, uh, and actually, but that's, that's about it just interesting historical footnote is that the the movie sort of bombed at the box office but then they made a ton of movie uh, they made a ton of money off the video game so oh, uh, the video oh, game actually made more money than the than the movie <laughs> the movie wow that makes a lot of sense uh so how about andrea what do you think about tron well 
it, it for me it was one of those movies where that's so part of the American zeitgeist that I thought I had seen it. But then I'm watching it and I'm like, I don't think I've ever actually seen this movie completely. Um, and I was shocked at I, how much I disliked it. <laughs> and, well, I mean, all right. I'm not going to say disliked. That's not quite right. It's just, it's a kid's movie. And I realized at the end, it's actually a Disney movie, which makes sense that Jeff Bridges is in it because Jeff Bridges was a Disney child star. Um, but it, it, the, the problem for me was there's no, character development at all like i don't care about these characters and they're getting what they want because i i i'm i'm never made to care about them i don't care about what they want yeah, I and they, they never really make any are faced with any hard decisions or make no any exactly or it's just it's a kid's adventure movie with very little um to recommend it for an adult because there's just no connection to the characters um the look of it is still amazing. Um, I agree with that. It's that got that ang- 80s angularity to everything. It reminded me of, um, the graphics that they used in, uh, uh Weird Science. You know, th- there's a lot of that, you know, the, the graphs and the, and the vectors yeah. looks to all of it. Um, and it's still visually cool, but th- it's just this, there's no real story other than they're in this video game and they have to do this thing. It's a quest. I think it was a really good uh, comparison to um, that you made, Dave, to uh, Wizard, Wizard of, Oz. of Oz. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that is exactly what it's um, like, um, you know. But it's got that very stiff delivery and dialogue uh, in in the in the real world scenes. There's like no room tone, so it's just like this empty echoing, and you don't get the music until the the video game part, which is also very um, uh, Wizard, Wizard of, of Oz. Oz. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it was not a good movie from an adult point of view, but I can see, and it's one of those things you can look back and go, yep, I see exactly why this was, uh, you know, had become a, has become a cult classic because of its look. Um, I, also I have a question. Why is the movie called Tron when Tron isn't the main character? Well, it Tron is sounds the- better than Flynn. <laughs> yeah, it does sound better than Flynn. It absolutely sounds better than Flynn. But it was just I like it's a question that I kept asking through the whole thing. Well, like I could actually Tron tell is a I secondary mean, character. Well Go ahead. basically like Tron was originally the main character and then as they developed it he became not the main character, but it was already called uh, Tron by that point. Okay. Interesting. Um but I want to get Matt in here too. So Matt, where do you come? We got we have a diversity of opinion there between Tom and, and Andrea. So where do you come down on this? Yeah. So I just want to preface this by saying that uh, I did see this in the theater. I actually remember uh, going to the theater with my whole family and my two older sisters hated this film and, mm-hmm. and I love, I loved it. Uh, um, I was actually taking uh, programming classes at the time. And that like, this just hit all, all like yeah. my nerdy spots. It was just like the coolest thing ever. Oh my God, you could go into the computer and play the <laughs> games. And it was just like, and it, it's really like I think it's like impossible to to overstate just how visionary and um, groundbreaking this film was. And I don't yeah. think there really has been anything to that degree. I mean, maybe you you might say Blade Runner sort of changed the vision of science fiction, uh, the, the, yeah. the view of science fiction in that way. But like Tron, it was just like 
unbelievably different from anything that had gone before. Yes, as an adult, if I rewatched it, I, I, as I've rewatched it a couple times in the past few years, yeah, there's not a lot of character development. It's really just a simple adventure plot. But um, like all the, I, I love all the, uh, the um, like the computer references, like like bit, uh, you know, the yeah, bit yeah. Goes, yes, no, you no, know, that's and, so uh, funny. Yeah. Bring in the logic probe, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like yeah, yeah. And um, one thing I I, I noticed actually was um, at some point. Uh, I forgot who said it. They're like, "Oh, bring up your Wayback Machine and tell me blah blah yes, blah." Yes, that's I'm in like, the beginning. Oh, is, is that where they got the Wayback Machine from? Like, I no, or was it that comes a thing from that people. It, it comes from? from it comes from the super old uh, Peabody and Mister Sherman, the the old car, the super old cartoon. Oh, oh yes, okay. Because okay. Dave, when you first said Wayback Machine to me like ten years ago, you were like, "Oh, you just look it up in the Wayback Machine." I was like, <laughs> "What is he talking? Is he talking about Peabody and Sherman?" That, that <laughs> okay. was the name of their time machine, but that's yes, what I, came oh, I, totally I, I was like, "Oh, maybe that. I was like, oh, maybe the Wayback Machine got it from Tron." But okay, it's it's not from that. Um, also, there was like a little, uh, I guess, Easter egg where they're like flying over the the grid, the landscape. And I saw a Mickey Mouse head there. I was like, no, really? Yeah, it's really, it's quick. I almost missed it. Um, But yeah, I mean, just in terms of like all that cool stuff or, oh, we'll ride the light wave over to the the main program. And I love, I love how the, um, the programs think of, of the users as sort of gods. And then the MCP is, encouraging them like no it's not real it's not real you should listen to me you should listen to me and and um well let me just ask you though matt i mean i I agree with you and tom that like this movie is visionary and visually amazing and conceptually audacious and i'll give you all that i just find it boring to watch and i'm just like do you not get bored watching it um i i think that there there are parts of it that can can be a little long i i didn't i didn't get bored watching it but um you know, it, it might be nostalgia propelling that. I, I think yeah. that if, if I had um, encountered this as an adult, I, I might not feel the same way. In fact, just, I, I definitely won't. Like the um, the evil dude. Uh, uh, Dylan, who's great. Who's great, yeah. by the way. Yeah. He, he uh, like, if you look at his costume, it's like, oh, it just looks like a stupid hood he's wearing. And, yeah. you know, it, it's like, you know, if you pretend you're 12 when you watch it, you know, um, you know, like the hotshot programmer who's like kicked out of the company and gets sucked into the video game that he created and has to actually play it. I thought that was really cool. Like where he, he, um, he flies the broken recognizer and he has like, kind yeah, of, that's cool. Um, like Neo like powers to, to control the virtual world. And then when they um, drink yeah. the electricity out of the pool, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. I, I just, I found like, there's just so many cool visionary things and there were like little nods and references to like, uh, you know, eighties geek culture, eighties computer culture, which like the personal computer had like just arrived on the scene. So it was like, yeah. it was really new for everybody. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like the, uh, I know we're not talking about the sequel, but I, I like the sequel, but I feel like. One of the things that it missed was it, it didn't quite capture the, the zeitgeist no. uh, of the time. Like they could have added so much stuff uh, that's happened in the computer world since then and, and, and they didn't. And that, that was sort of disappointing. But uh, well, I, I don't know. I, I still think that this movie is, is just 
Like, let me just I, let me just run yeah, run something like run something by because I, I feel like just like really obviously that this should go cut back and forth between the real world and the video game world. It's like you mentioned the Matrix, like yeah, you know it goes they're in the Matrix and they're in the real world, and then they're in the Matrix and they're in the real world. And I just feel like if it was like you know an hour so, solid hour of them being in the Matrix, it's just too much. You need some contrast yeah. there, and so I just and you need to know what's going on out there. Like I kept wondering where the the Alan the Tron person was at his. Uh, terminal, what he was doing. You know? He was yeah. only in the system. Flynn was only in the system for milliseconds. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I see what you're saying, Dave. I think it, it does, um, you know, it, it does suffer from a little bit of that, that, that it, you, you remind me when you say like, do you, do you really like it now or do you like it as a doll? You remind me of my, I was talking to my nephew again. You're such a young kid, Dave, but I was talking to my <laughs> nephew about, about family guy and he was like, I was like, do you think it's funny? And he was like, well, it's, it's kind of funny, but you have to be like an, you have to be like an expert in like 80s pop culture to understand it. And I was like, or you have to have grown up in the 80s. Yes. <laughs> like, it's all you have to do. And, and that's the reason I, I think that's maybe the reason Matt and I love Tron so much is that, and maybe Andrea, maybe there's a little bit of a gender thing there where they just kind of sideline the female character so much that it's annoying. But yeah, because I think you but are kind of every, Every sci-fi movie at the time did the same thing, exact yeah. thing. They did, but but I think you are kind of closer in age to me and Matt than you are yeah. to Dave. But um, but I do think this movie really speaks to me on such a zeitgeist level of like everything I grew up through that I I can't be bored by it. Whereas maybe if I had been born like ten years later, I, yeah, maybe I would be like, yeah, I don't. It doesn't really. It's kind of a little bit boring. Or it's not as much of a classic as Close Encounters is in that a young kid today could watch Close Encounters and be like, wow. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I, I mean, yes, all, to all of that, Tom, because I think we're the same age, Tom. Don't, we're not saying numbers here, but I think we're the <laughs> same age. Um, but, like, yes, everything about it references the 80s for me, it, and it brings back lots of memories. But I think, and, and you made this point, is it's, it's for – young boys who were into both of you guys were into computers at the time. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was into, you know, fantasy novels. I was into movies, of, you know, fantasies with characters and emotions, you know, for me, that's what draws me into a story. And I think that's what great art does. It's, it's about emotion and, and, um, you know, connecting per, uh, in a human way. And this movie does not connect in any kind of emotional human way. So it doesn't, uh, bring anything up for me either as a, as an adult now or as a kid at the time because I wasn't a boy and I wasn't into computers. So I think that's the, the disconnect for me. It makes sense. You know, well, that, that's totally, un I, I understand that too. And, and uh, just imagine how, how great this movie could have been with, with a better yes. script. Good point. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yep. A hundred percent. Good point. I never thought of it that way. I never thought that this movie lacked anything until this discussion. And now I'm like, okay, yeah, I can, I can see where if you put some emotion into it, it would be better. Yeah. Now you're going to watch it every couple of years and be like, oh, this sucks. Why did I participate in that? <laughs> this panel? Is, really this, is, I don't, this is really all about ruining things for people. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't think so. I think I'm still going to really enjoy it. I, I, maybe you're, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I just feel like it hits on so many levels for me that I, I think I'll be okay. 
And that, that's an interesting point, whoever said it about that the whole story takes place in like a millisecond or something. So you couldn't yeah. cut back and forth. Yeah, because that, that makes sense. I didn't I, – I mean, well, yes, that yeah. makes sense now. But I think it would have been a richer story if we just left that whole it's a millisecond behind and 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 cut back and forth. So cut that back and forth. So I understand what the stakes are because there's never really – like – for me, there there aren't any stakes, and I'm not invested in it. Yeah. In the story, I, I felt like the stakes were that number one, that Jeff Bridges wasn't going to get out alive, and yeah, number he was two, die. he was yeah, going to die. Yeah, but I don't give a shit. The, That's the problem. And, <laughs> and number two, oh, that made, that's valid. And then number yeah. two, that the um, that all this whole like vast society of these sentient programs, which doesn't make sense from a technical point of view, but this whole vast society is just going to remain under the thumb of this oppressive regime. Um, that also felt like the stakes to me. But again, I guess if you don't care about the characters, yeah. no, you no, don't but, see what... but that's very that's very abstract, Tom. I mean, we need yeah. like a character that we identify with emotionally. I, I think yeah. in the in the '80s, we, there was a lot of um, lovable rogue male characters. Yes, there sure and, were. And <laughs> I think it was like, oh, the lovable rogue, of course, will fall in love with this character. Like without really a lot of character development, it was just an archetype. Yeah, they were just hoping you just bond with as an audience. Yeah. And I think like you know. As a kid, I totally did. And like as an adult, when I see these characters now, I actually I'm exhausted by them. I'm like, yeah. oh, God, not another one. Not another one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, because um, there's the whole save the cat thing where you're supposed to have the hero do something nice at the beginning. So that yeah. We, right. does, does Jeff Bridges ever do anything like nice or no. uh, generous? Or no. Anything? I bet he does. I bet he does. No. I can't think of it. No, I can't. Think of it. <laughs> no. He he moves on it, moves in on his friend's girlfriend, his, his ex-girlfriend slash new girlfriend of his friend so it's kind of like he's there's nothing really lovable about that right but. yeah and then yeah yeah yeah, yeah. anyway oh jeff oh jeff, oh, jeff. <laughs> but see but then a couple of years later he does Starman, and it's just like you fall in love with him yeah yeah know? i mean he's maybe, a really good maybe, actor i don't yes, think they he's just gave him a good script no maybe he got it was a different script. agent it's totally the script it's yeah. absolutely 100 percent the script huh. yeah uh all right so we're uh we're pretty much coming up on time here. I guess I'll just mention, I wanted to say that uh, if you like Dark Star, uh, I, I interviewed Have your this- head examined. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, I interviewed this guy, uh, so you could go back through the archives and look for it, but but this guy, uh, Max Berry, and he wrote a book called Providence, and it reminds me a lot of, of Dark Star, like, or it's like a, I would say, a much better version of, of Dark Star. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was influenced by it or not, but the premise is that there's these uh, there's these four crew members on this ship that's sent to fight aliens and they realize at some point that the ship is completely automated and the ai is running everything and they're only there to provide human interest to the uh crowds (laughs) back on earth so that they keep Mm. getting funding for these missions um and it's really funny and it's the same sort of sort of absurdist kind of you know people lost in space dealing with crazy you know trying to talk sense into robots and, and that kind of thing so I would really recommend that. And also, I don't know if you guys know, um, since you like Close Encounters of the Third Kind so much, there's this uh, director called Jeff Nichols, and two of his movies are Midnight Special and Take Shelter. And I feel like I've seen Midnight Special. Yeah, so I feel like I I have too, but I can't. I don't remember what it's about. And having watched Close Encounters of the Third Kind, I'm 100% sure that he was explicitly trying to recreate close encounters of the third kind in both those movies because mm. they're they're very 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 like um take shelter is like the first half of close encounters and midnight special is like the second half of close encounters huh. so huh. 
and they're both they're both really really good too. I think Take Shot yeah. is better, but they're they're both really good. I gotta watch them now. Yeah, me too. All right, so we need to start wrapping this up. So, Andrea, final thoughts on these five movies? Um, you know, if if you ha- if people haven't seen Close Encounters, you must see it. It is still to this day; it's almost uh, more than forty years uh, old, and it still stands up as one of the greatest movies ever made. Frankly, um, yes. Starman is affecting and emotional, and a beautiful film. Um, Tron. For me, boring and dated, but you know, there's something there. Explorers drove me crazy. I hated it, hated everybody. Uh, and Dark Star, <laughs> Dark Star was a little bit like dropping acid and listening to Ario Speedwagon. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was exactly like that. I've done yeah. that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've never dropped acid. I'm kidding. <laughs> so there you go. That's my sum up. <laughs> all right, cool. Tom, final thoughts. Uh, yeah, I think where all of these movies, I think, you know, Close Encounters, definitely far and away the best one. Starman, number two, I really like Tron, number three, the other two I could do without. Um, but I think where any of these movies succeeds or fails is in the sense of wonder they create, which is such a cliche in the science fiction world, yeah. right? But, but they, they really do. And I, and I think if you go back and you watch the sequel to Tron, you see the exact opposite. It's a good movie. It's a solid movie. It has all the story elements you're talking about. But it, instead of saying, Let's pull in all these things that people care about and, and synthesize them into this thing that catches the zeitgeist. They're saying, let's look at this old movie and see why people liked it and do it again. And that's maybe the sickness that's invading mm. our art today or at least yeah. our cinema today. Yeah. That hopefully if you're young and you're going to start making movies, think about that. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't try to figure out why the movie before you don't, don't try to do what they did. Try to, you know, what, what's the quote? If I stood on the shoulders of, giants or yeah. whatever don't don't try to follow in the footsteps of those movies seek what they sought yeah yeah uh matt final thoughts uh yeah so close encounters that's easily in my top five movies of all time it, it might be my favorite movie of all time i mean i i <laughs> I, I know i love blade runner but close encounters has <laughs> got to be a close second this i can watch this movie anytime i love it so much um Definitely that that sense of wonder. I mean, there there are moments of this film where I like I just tear up. It's so it's so great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Starman I, again. Like th- this is like where whereas like Close Encounters has like this personal but really also epic thing. I think Starman is is like all intimate. It's like yes. totally intimate, and and I think that's what I love about it. It's just the relationship between uh, Karen Allen's character and Jeff Bridges. It's just it's so touching and and uh, affecting that. Um, I, I absolutely recommend it. Um, uh, Tron, I like. I have a soft spot for it. It hit me at the right time when I was a kid. So watching it now, there's a lot of nostalgia for me. Um, it is a visionary film. I agree. Not the best story. Um, <laughs> don't redo it. Don't redo it, please, Hollywood. Just let, <laughs> let it be. Yeah. Uh, uh, Explorers. Um, you know, if you can pretend you're a, a 12 year old boy in the eighties, you probably would really like it. If that's not your thing, then it probably, it probably won't. It's, it's like, it has the premise of a, of a decent science fiction story, but unfortunately we've seen a lot of stories like this before. So it might not be that surprising for you, but I thought it was fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, Dark Star, like we said, cut 45 minutes out of this film. Just give me the highlight reel. I'd find it amusing. Uh, there's some interesting parts could definitely see how this influenced a lot of other uh science fiction tv and film etc um 
would I watch it again? Probably not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'll, and I'll just say, you know, Close Encounters and Starman, I think, worked amazingly well emotionally. I have some logical problems, but, you know, whatever. Um, I think Tron and Darkstar are worth watching if you're a sort of a science fiction fan and interested in, you know, their historical value. Um, and Explorers, like, I, I kind of like, but, um, I think if you listen to this, you sort of heard everything interesting about it. You probably don't need to actually watch the movie. Um, but, uh, you know, overall, I thought this was a pretty solid group of movies. There was no, in my opinion, there was no Howard, Howard the Duck in here. <laughs> so does everyone agree with that? Any, uh, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. this is a bit, this is a step up from Howard. You've the been Duck. absolved of your sins. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you didn't have us watch the thing in this group instead of Dark Star, but that's yeah. I was yeah. yeah. We should do a John Carpenter series. Oh God, yes, absolutely. Because I was looking, because I I had no idea that Dark Star was a John Carpenter movie um, until I looked at the credits. So then I just pulled up an IMDb and I'm like, oh my God, there's there's so many amazing. I, I mean, I know this is yeah, ridiculous to say, but but there's yeah. so many amazing John Carpenter films. Yeah, um, yeah. that. I've actually reason, never seen never... the thing. <gasps> I know what? The fr- oh my I know, god! I know, I know. That's like that's like Dave saying he's never seen Close Encounters. Yeah. I, I somehow I just missed it, and then every oh time I'm gosh. like about to watch it, we're like about, and then it's like someone's like, "Oh, let's watch this other thing." Okay. And oh I god! Just, I, and I keep like oh. before the pandemic, I had plans to like have people over, and we were going to watch the thing, and I was going to have a big group of people, and that never happened. So, oh god, um, I love. I would that love movie. an excuse to watch it. Me too. Oh, me too. It's yeah. such. I, I can watch that movie anytime. I know everyone raves about it. I it's just have never fantastic. Seen it. I know it's that's crazy, so good. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, interesting historical note. John Carpenter. The reason he directed Starman is because he was desperate for work after the thing was a box office disaster wow he was, he was afraid he would never get work again because it, it did so badly it's so funny that the story of so many science fiction movies is it was an absolute box office disaster and then it becomes a cult classic yeah yeah, you know? yeah. that the thing and the ter- um, terminator right didn't do so well did really Really? Uh, didn't the first one do not do well? Or am I, I, I thinking? Don't, of, I don't think I don't that's know. right at all. Well, Blade <laughs> Runner, Blade Runner, <laughs> Blade Runner. I know Blade Runner bomb. Kind of like bombed Star Wars. Star Wars didn't do well at all. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. yeah, no. I don't. I don't think um, E.T. did that well, if I remember. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. Here we go. We're talking about movies. People never. I've never seen E.T. What? what? <laughs> See? Yeah. I shut everybody up with that one. What is wrong with it? everybody? I don't think that one holds up as well as Close Encounters, to be honest, because I've, I've rewatched yeah. it a few years ago. I did too. I agree. Uh, it's, it's still, still good, fun, but, but it's not. It's not quite Close Encounters. All right. right. Well, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm think. Maybe we can do something like movies that like people are baffled when we admit we never saw. <laughs> yeah. right. I can't believe I you've it, never seen. I know. Yeah. Well, I think it, that's that's everybody's got a movie. Like a you know a famous box office movie that they've never seen. Like everybody has one. I, I don't Titanic. think I have one. I've never seen Titanic. I don't I, think I have. Unfortunately, one. I I finally did see Titanic. It was. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right. We need we need to wrap this up, but uh, we're getting. <laughs> I think we're getting, we're getting some promising. Of course, here. Yeah. We're getting some yeah. promising ideas for uh, for future okay. panels. So everyone, yeah. stay tuned. We'll we'll come up with something good for next time. Uh, but we got to wrap things up there. So we've been speaking with Andrea Kale, Matthew Kressel, and Tom Garenzer. So thanks, everyone, so much for joining us. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Dave. And that was our panel. 
So big thanks again to Andrea Kale, Matthew Kressel, and Tom Garenzer for joining us on the show. And remember that Geek's Guide to the Galaxy is made possible thanks to support from listeners like you. So if you enjoy the show and want it to continue, please support us on Patreon over at patreon.com geeks or via PayPal over at geeksguideshow.com crowdfunding. All right, so that was our show. So thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time. The Geek's Guide to the Galaxy is a production of Wired.com. For more information about the show, visit geeksguideshow.com. To learn more about your host, visit davidbarkirtley.com. Music and voiceover produced by yours truly, Jack Kincaid. If you enjoyed this program, tell your friends. If you didn't enjoy it, tell no one. Thank you for listening.